Well, good morning. All right, I don't know about you, I'm just about winded from the worship this morning. I don't know how much wind I've got left in the tank, but I'm going to find some, I promise you that. Hey, today we're going to start, begin a 24-week series. As Nick mentioned earlier, we're walking together uh, through the book of Genesis, and it's entitled, In the Beginning. He also noted we, we have these available for each and every person here today. Now, these are for you to, to take and use uh, not to grab a stack and give away for presents, okay? Uh, but they are free and available to everyone while supplies last. This is a great opportunity for you to just read along. It's got uh, your reading plan inside of it as well as a place for notes in each day's reading uh, also. But I would encourage you to do that. Now, unlike our journey through the New Testament last year, uh, where I kind of stayed ahead of you in, in this reading plan, you're going to be ahead of me pretty much uh, all the way through this series and, and this study. But what you're going to see uh, in our study in Genesis, which simply means origin, is it really is the origin of all things, including it's the foundation that we have for our theology. That is what we know and believe about God. Uh, beyond that, you'll also see where it is a historical record, both of, of individuals as well as families as we continue in this study. And like I said, when we were uh, in our Revelation uh, mini-series there throughout our journey in the New Testament, in Genesis, in this beginning section, there is room for disagreement or even difference without dissent or dissension, all right? We may have some varying opinions when it comes to dates or timelines, and that's okay. Now, when it comes to the nature of God, when it comes to the, the power of God and, and His supremacy, there's no debate to be had, all right? But when we come to dates and timelines, there may be some variations, and I understand to that. What you need to know about me is I hold to a very strong uh, place, the inerrancy of Scripture. It is, I believe, that it is all true, and, and I also believe, uh, and, and therefore take Genesis to be a literal record. That's the way I interpret Genesis. My theology then, that is what I believe about God based on what I have learned and studied through His Scripture, what He has spoken to me, and in my relationship with Him, because of that foundation, that theology, I paint for myself a very big picture, portrait of who God is. God is an enormous God beyond comprehension. And so because of that, I have no struggles, no issues with all at all within creation of a 24-hour day of creation or six days of complete creation. I have no issues at all with an ark fitting sufficient animals within it. I have no issue at all with seas being parted by the power of God. I have no issue with a virgin birth. I have no issue with the miracles that we see in the New Testament, walking on water, the healings. I have no issue with Jesus' death, burial, and even resurrection because I know how big my God is. And what you're going to find often within liberal theology, it finds its birthplace really in the divergence from the book of Genesis. And in particular, I believe, chapter 1. Because friends, can I say this? If you deny Genesis, if you want to take Genesis and set it aside for the rest of your theology, theology then you may as well throw out the entire book. Right? Without Genesis, we have no beginning record. That is where our theology begins. And God's Word is not open for negotiation. It's truth. Period. And can I tell you something? He doesn't care how you feel about it. <laughs> it's still truth, regardless. 
John found in my study, there are 188 references within the New Testament to the book of Genesis. 188 different times the writers in the New Testament reference the book of Genesis. And that should tell us something about our understanding of the book of Genesis. See, to, to understand the New Testament, to really grab a hold of it, to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, certainly we need to have a foundation and an understanding of the book of Genesis. This past year, we devoted the whole year to reading together through the New Testament together. And I'm so glad that we did because now we're going to spend the next 24 weeks just, just looking at this record. But I believe in doing so, we're going to better understand it. Let me ask you this. Y'all remember that it used to be huge, that, that puzzle or that game, if you will, Where's Waldo? Y'all remember that? You remember where Waldo was a goofy looking guy and had like funny hat and cane and all these things, right? And the whole premise of this puzzle or this whole game was to find him. And he would just be located in a sea of other people that looked a lot like Waldo, but they weren't quite him. And the only way you could really identify who Waldo was, you had to study his picture, right? You had to look at him exactly, the glasses he was wearing, the, the hat, all of these things, the stripe on his shirt. You had to really know what he looked like in order to find him in that sea of imposters, if you will. Well, I believe now that we have spent an entire year in the New Testament looking at and understanding the Christology that the person of who of Jesus Christ and who he is now as we enter into our Old Testament study and we're going to spend much of the entire year this this 2023 within the Old Testament then I believe we're going to be able to as we go through the pages even of Genesis and be able to do the same thing to say oh there he is oh I see Jesus here in Genesis. I, I see Jesus within this story. I see the gospel unfolding even in the New Old Testament, even in the book of Genesis. And now there have been, before we get rolling, there's some crazy theories out there about who exactly uh, wrote, who the, the writer was for Genesis. Now remember, God authors all scripture, but there are some different debates out there. But I believe in my study, all scripture all scripture points to Moses alone as being the writer of the book of Genesis. I really do. I, I think it, it, it's, a, it's a far cry to, to assume anyone other than Moses. In fact, in Luke chapter 24, Jesus was speaking to a group and, and kind of getting on to them. And he said this in, in verse 25. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to, to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted the, them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. He told them, these, this is Jesus speaking, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. What Jesus was telling these people who were denying that he was actually the Messiah, said, listen, you've read the Old Testament. That's what he says when he says the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, the entire Old Testament. He said, you know, you know it. You've studied it. You've read it. You should be able to recognize me, to, to recognize the Messiah. And he specifies here the law of Moses in the beginning. Now, he's, he's referencing the first five books of the Old Testament known as the Pentateuch, right, which is the, the, the books of law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, right? So he, even Jesus was assessing, asserting that Moses was the writer of the book of Genesis. Well, with all that in mind then today, I want us to look at chapter 1. And I'm actually going to read the entire chapter, if at all possible. 
doing so, I'm only going to be able to scratch the surface and what lies underneath it all. But what I do want to do, accomplish, is to try to answer many of the questions that we often have as we open this precious book. So with that said, Genesis chapter 1, beginning of verse 1. You can open your Bible, you can open the resource that was given to you, or also in the church app. Moses writes this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I want to go ahead and stop there. Because here's the thing. If Genesis is the beginning, right, then how important is its beginning? How important is this very first statement of our Bible, of our canon? Right? I believe it is just that. It is the foundational verse for the rest of the Bible. Because to believe that God created all things, when we, when we come to, 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 to wrap our minds around that and to believe that, that God has created all things, then it also means that we can believe and understand that God is in control of all things. And if we believe he created all things and he is in control of all things, then my God can do all things. Do you see why that is so important, so foundational as a believer to believe? Because God is able to do what we can't fathom, then he can certainly do anything and everything in my life and in your life too. So it's a, it's a foundational statement. In fact, in your readings this week, I would do this. Do just what I just did. On Monday, when you read Genesis 1, that first section, after verse 1, just stop. Pause. Pray and meditate on that. Do you believe that statement? The very first statement in the Bible, do you believe that in the beginning, God alone created the heavens and the earth? What do you believe about that statement? And as you come to understand that, see, to believe Genesis 1-1, to believe that statement, then it refutes everything else. It refutes atheism, pantheism, polytheism, dualism, humanism, and yes, of course, evolutionism because you can't believe that God alone created all things and yet ascribe to any other philosophy now let's continue on he begins in the beginning now understand this this is not of eternity but the creation of the world as we know it today he's talking about the things that we see the beginning of the world the beginning of mankind marriage sin and even civilization that we're going to see played out in the pages ahead if you, turn, if you look in John chapter 1 and verse 1, Nick accidentally referenced that earlier today in his time. But in John chapter 1 and verse 1, John said this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word being capitalized there, referencing Jesus Christ who was there in the beginning. But he said, In the beginning was the Word. You see, in creation account, in Genesis, we see where time, space, and matter, they all had a beginning time, a beginning moment. But Jesus, John says, was he was already in existence god was already time space and matter had a beginning point god and jesus christ did not in fact another thing you can do in your devotional time is you read verses one through three in genesis maybe you open up and then open up your bible too and in a parallel way look at and read john chapter one verses one through five and it's amazing how they fall in together just in, in a parallel sense Yet, John was written some 1,500 years later. Well, he continues on, in the beginning, God. Now, it's important to understand that word that is used here for God, Elohim. Elohim is used 32 times in Genesis 1 alone. Now, it's used over 2,000 times in the entire Old Testament, but 32 times just here in this one chapter. Now, the word El there, the, the, the Hebrew word El references 
God, and particularly the, the strength of God. The singular version of that is Elo, Eloah. Eloah. You may recall when Jesus was on the cross, and he cried out in Aramaic, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Right? My God, my God, why have you forsake me. That is a singular version of that. But here in the beginning, we have Elohim, which is the plural of God. And so from the very beginning, then we see the plurality of God. Now, the Trinity won't be revealed until the New Testament, but in the very beginning, we see the plurality of God. And it said then, God in the beginning created the other thing you have to understand and wrap your mind around is this concept of what is known as ex nihilo. Ex nihilo, which simply means from or out of nothing. Because God took nothing and made everything. Everything. God alone. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 said this, talking about faith. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. That God spoke it into existence. He continues, so that what is seen was made from the things that are not invisible, that, that are invisible, that are not seen, right? God took from nothing and made everything. How powerful then that first statement to understand who God is and the plurality of God and that from nothing he made everything. Well, let's keep reading them, picking up in verse two. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was an evening, and there was a morning. One day. Now, it's here in, in these verses that some want to interject what is known as a gap theory, right? That somewhere between verses 1 and 2, there were thousands and possibly even millions of years, right? Basically believing then that verse 2 was kind of a, a do-over, if you will. Didn't go so well, so God, millions or thousands of years later, that hit round 2. Now, the reason that they want to interject this gap theory, if you will, is primarily for the purpose of trying to weave an idea of a very old or ancient earth into the text or the fabric of the text of Genesis chapter 1, right? And then I'm going to speak more about that later. Another view, as you look at the days of creation, is known as the day-age view. The day-age view where people will say, they'll, they'll use the text in God's eyes, you know, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. But here's what I want to say, and here's what I want to speak into that. When, when people say that, they're referencing Psalm 90, which was also written by Moses, as well as 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, where, they, where Peter is actually quoting uh, from Moses' statement in Psalm 90. But I want you to see this. In both statements, they are saying a day is like a thousand years. You remember in our study in Revelation, and I said this, how, how they would use simile within Revelation? In particular, we looked at the, the voice of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what, the, what, what John said? He said, it was, it was a sound, talking about the, the voice of Jesus, like a trumpet. It wasn't a trumpet, but it carried like a trumpet. It was a simile. He wasn't saying God's voice, Jesus' voice is a trumpet, but it is like one. 
Well, similarly here, that's exactly what they're saying. It is like a thousand years. Now, what Moses was pointing to was the infinite, the, the infinity, the <laughs> infinity, uh, the infiniteness of God. That he and he alone is infinite. And for us to wrap our minds around that is near impossible for man. Now, Peter later is tying in on that same thing when the people kept saying, man, when is Jesus coming back? And he is talking about the patience of God and how to him a day is like a thousand years. And we should be thankful that God is so patient with us for our salvation. That's what they're speaking into here. And notice also the chronology that's here. Now the earth was formless. Then God said, let there be light. There was an evening and then there was a morning, and then there was one 24-hour day. You see, it was at this time that now the, the earth is now rotating on its axis. We now have what we understand as a solar day established. Each day of creation, I want you to see as you read through this, and as I go through this, concluded with an evening and then morning, a single day. Now also, if you look at the Hebrew word for day that is used here, it's the word yom. Yom. Now, that may sound familiar to you. Uh, there, there's a, a, a holiday that is well known, Yom Kippur, right, which is the Day of Atonement. It is a single day. And in fact, in nearly every usage in the Old Testament where the word Yom is used in conjunction with a number as it is here in creation, it represents a 24-hour day. One day as we know it today. And so people that want to interject, well, well, that could be a thousand years. It's so interesting that when they get to Leviticus um, chapter 23, they don't carry that with them there. Right? When it says you should work six days and then rest on the seventh, we don't work 6,000 days, do we? Why not? Same word. Yeah, because that's absurd, isn't it? As I believe it is in creation as well. It is a 24-hour single day. Now, let me say this also. Because as I said, there, there is some debate, there's some differences there, and that's, that's, that's okay. Day age is not to be confused with theistic evolution, right? It is not the same. Theistic evolution uh, would say that God was not involved in the origin of life. Now, I don't ascribe to day age, but I can certainly fellowship with those who do, right? This is not a gospel issue for me. I also think it's important to note in verse 3 there, for the very first time in all of Scripture, God speaks. And notice what he says, let there be light. And there was light. When God spoke, it happened. Out of nothing came everything. God spoke and it was and by the way, that's before the creation of the sun. We're going to get to that in just a moment, but the sun, S-U-N, right? There was still light. Let's keep reading verse 6. Then God said, Let there be an expanse between the water, separating water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse sky. Evening came, and then morning the second day, we see here where there's water on the earth and water above the earth. Now, it won't rain for another 1,600 years, starting with the catastrophic flood, right? But what is being created there is the atmosphere that we have today. Let's keep reading verse, verse 9. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. 
And the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Evening came, and then morning, the third day. Now, now here is, is creation continues to unfold. There are two types of plants here. There are those that produce seed only and those that produce fruit containing seeds. And notice in creation how he continues to talk about the different kinds. From the very beginning, God had an order, an order for everything that reproduces from the very beginning. And we see that then played out through the rest of creation. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for the seasons and days and years. Notice, again, we see that 24-hour period. Days and years. Seasons according to those days and years. They will be lights in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule over the day and the lesser light to rule over the night. As well as the stars. God placed them in the expanse of the sky to provide light on the earth. To rule the day and the night. And to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. Evening came. And then morning. The fourth day. Now in verse 16 here we see where, where God creates now the, the source of light. One of course which emits the light. The other of course that reflects that light that he had created. He's talking here about the sun and the moon. Verse 20 then God said... Let the water swarm with living creatures. And let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves and swarms in the water according to their kinds. He also created every winged creature according to its kinds. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the waters of the sea. And let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came, and then morning, the fifth day. Now, something interesting here to point out also, Genesis shows that the birds were created with the sea creatures on day five. Did you see that? While and land animals were not created until day six that we're going to get to. Now, what you need to understand, this directly opposes our Darwinian or evolutionary idea that birds actually evolved from land animals. You can't have both. The two can't work together. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. So God made the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God here, he continues with his design for that reproductive order by the, by the kinds and everything staying within its kinds. Now, I do want to point this out, though. In the CSB, you see that translation there, wildlife. You see that uh, twice, and, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, the wildlife of the earth. Twice he says that, uses that word wildlife. Now, let me say this. I do not believe that's the best translation 
or transliteration there for that word. Uh, most texts will actually say the wild animals or the beasts in this case. And I do believe that that is a far better translation for us today because when we think of wildlife, we think of the TWRA, Wildlife Resource Agency, you know, things like that. Just all of the wildlife that's out there. But here he, he has already addressed the, the livestock and the creatures that crawl. Here he's addressing something different and it is the beasts of the land. And yes, that would include the dinosaurs, the behemoth that we see in the book of Job. So I think it's important for us to understand that, that yes, that is accounted for and recorded in the Genesis record. Let's keep reading verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. God also said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This will be food for you, for all the wildlife of the earth, for every kind, excuse me, every bird of the sky, and for every creature that crawls on the earth. Everything having the breath of life in it, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. Here's what I want you to notice from what we've read so far. Notice this. God said, let there be light. Then God said, let there be an expanse. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation. Then God said, let there be lights. Then God said, let the water swarm with living creatures. Let birds fly above it. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures. But then we get to verse 26. Then God said, let us make. Let us make man in our image. Everything else God spoke and it was. But now, here in verse 26, something unique and something very special was happening here in the creation of mankind. Male and female, he created them. In the image of God, we often reference that, that the imago Dei, the image of God, different and unique from every other creation. Every other creature, different and unique, even from one another by design, male and female, complementary to one another. The uniqueness, how God created man. You know, it's interesting to me, in grammar school, we're taught that turning a frog into a prince is a fairy tale. In college, we're taught turning a frog into a prince is science. You ever thought about that? It's true, isn't it? Genesis says, you, that all man, that every person that has breath is a creation of God, created 
in His own image for the purpose now to, to image Him to this world. Friends, all mankind is created in the image of God. Paul said this in Romans 1.20, For His invisible attributes, that is His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what He has made. As a result, people are without excuse. We often go to that verse because we're reminded that His presence is visible through the world He created. You know, we see a painting, we know there was a, a painter. We see this creation, this world, we know there is a creator. So it's through creation that we see his presence. But his person is visible in us. The image of who God is is, is visible in us. Friend, you carry the image of God, the Imago Dei is in you and in you for a purpose to image him to our world. The world wants to teach our children that they came from animals. In essence, they, they are an animal because that's where we began. That's what they descended from. But the Bible says, no, each and every one is uniquely designed by God in His image. Well, that sure changes the abortion debate, doesn't it? You see, if all we are is an animal, then we're no different. But we're not. And that's why this church is so passionate to fight for every life because every life is created in the image of God. Everyone. Everyone. Every age, every race, every continent, every person is created in the image of God. And by the way, male and female. Nothing else. Male and female, he created them. Especially, God created them. And here's the question I want to ask people when they get to this debate over male or female, there being other things. I'm not even going to get into that. But why would you want to be anything else? Why would you want to be anything or anyone other than who God created you to be? The one who ex nihilo took nothing and made everything created you. Specifically. Purposely, with a plan in His image. My friend, why would you want to be anything else? You are beautiful in God's eyes. I want to continue on. I got a couple of notes here that I, I, I'm hurting on my time. But verse 28, just something to pull out to you. Verse 28, in the KJV, for those of you that are KJV readers, which is, is fine. But, but in verse 28 there, the KJV says that He replenished the earth instead of filling it. Now, the language used to translate the KJV at the time was limited, and so that's why they used that word replenish, because to replenish would mean that you are refilling, that there was something already there. You were replenishing what was there. That was not the interpretation or the idea of the translators. They were just limited to the language that they held, right? It is filling the earth, and it's the only translation that I'm aware of that, uh, that, that translates it that way also. That does not mean that the KJV is heretical and you shouldn't use it. It just means their language limited them on that verse. And you need to have a better understanding of what that Hebrew word is to fill the earth and to populate the earth. A couple other little notes to my uh, herbivore brothers and sisters here in the audience today. And I know we've got some there. Verse 29 and 30. It does tell us that God's original design 
for man and for animal was to have a plant-based diet. It was there. I'm not, I'm not there, but it was there, right? That was God's original design. It was the fall and the curse that he ushered in a carnivorous diet to both man and to animal. And, and I certainly acknowledge that as well. All right, so it's, we, we, see, we see several things here. And I, I know our, our time is brief, but friends, what I want you to understand, today, people want to make their own choices. Well, I believe I'm this gender. I believe I'm this thing, whatever it is, right? There's no debate to be had. What is in question is who God is. Remember where we started? Who is God to you? That's the only question. The world's always going to be the world. And the church has always got to be the church that stands on the truth of God's holy word. Every Easter, we say, He is risen. And you say, See how good you are at that? Every Easter, we say, He is risen. You know what? That's true whether you believe it or not. There's a lot of people that don't believe Jesus was risen. Doesn't mean He wasn't. It just means they're wrong. Truth is truth. Period. And God's Word will never change. God created man in, in this order. By His order, by His design, and with His image. And that's true regardless of what you want to feel about it. It's just true. God is God. And man is not. And that is a hard pill for our world to swallow today. Our world wants to say that you are God. That you are God. My goodness, we can't even figure out a molecular virus right now. And you want to be God? <laughs> How limited are we? Whether you like the way he chose to do things, it's inconsequential. It doesn't change his design at all. God is God. I had somewhere in my notes here, and I obviously missed it, but there was a, uh, a, a man in the early 1900s, a very uh, influential man, and he uh, was late to a, a business meeting uh, in the 1900s. H.L. Mencken was his name. And he was running late to the meeting, and he got up to the meeting, and of course, it's the early 1900s, and everybody else is already there, so he just grabs the first seat that he comes to. He jumps in, and there was a young executive sitting beside him. And the young executive looks over to him, and he says, Mr. Mencken, you should sit at the seat at the head of the table. He looked over to that young executive, and he said, young man, wherever I sit is the head of the table. <laughs> He's a little bit of an arrogant man, right? That's what's in question with God. Friends, he's at the head. Now, you can sit him wherever you want. You can take your seat at the table wherever you want. But he is at the head. Let me answer one final question where I am. So, when then did God create the heavens and the earth and all the living creatures? When did that take place? I've already said I believe in a 24-hour, six days of creation. I do. Now, with that data set and looking at the chronology uh, that we do find within the Old Testament, I personally believe the world is somewhere between six and 7,000 years old. You say, well, man, what about carbon dating? What about these geologists? Man, they claim millions and millions of years of age. I want you to remember something. God created, and it was good. And ultimately, when he was finished, it was very good. 
See, God created in a complete state. If you were present at creation on day six, right? And you were there and you saw Adam. And someone asked you, how old is Adam? You would likely say probably mid-20s. We don't know how old he was, but we know he was old enough to work because that's what he was commissioned to do, right? So most likely being in a complete form, he was in his 20s. If you did the science, if you did the studies, the anatomy, that would probably point you in that direction, certainly to something of at least 18 years of age or in adult age. But the truth of it is, he was only minutes or hours old. Correct? God created him. Man has a short lifespan. If that's true with us, now extrapolate that out over mountains, over trees that take hundreds of years to grow, and yet when God spoke it, every ring in that trunk was complete. God created in a complete state. Let's, uh, let's close kind of where we begin. By the way, the other thing I don't understand, I, I promise I'm going to close at some point. Be, be, you know... You get into that whole thing, you know, we, we get the, the, you know, uh, evolution and everything and the, the tadpole that got struck by lightning and became a frog that became a monkey and all that. And that's intelligent, right? Like I, I still, so, okay, if that were the case, the, the purpose, the premise of evolution is that you're always improving, correct? And if we came from monkeys, how did it help the monkey to lose its tail? You know, do y'all ever think about stuff like that? Like, they lived in the trees. They didn't have to worry about the things that would kill them on the ground because they could swing up through the trees and fly around. How is that improving? That wouldn't have... Okay, I'm so sorry. It's not... Stay to your notes. Let's begin where we end. Well, let's end where we began. Verse 1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and ultimately each and every one of us here today what do you believe how big is your God because friends that is what will be the foundation for everything else you learn in scripture and when you come to understand that when you begin to wrap your mind around that when you begin to wrap your heart around how big God is and his love for you that's played out in the rest of scripture will make perfect sense. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you that <laughs> our feeble little minds can't, we can't wrap around how amazing you are. But God, as the writer of Hebrews said, it's by faith that we know it to be true. God, we thank you that you created us, not like anything else, but you breathed into our, uh, our being the breath of life. You gave us soul and eternity. You gave us your image. I pray each and every person here today acknowledge that special creation, that special deposit that you gave to each one of us. And may we seek to image you throughout our world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.